Welcome to The Open Word, the online teaching ministry of Pastor David Landry on today's episode. Open our hearts, change us from within by the open word. Give us ears to hear your truth and eyes to see the needs around us as we draw. stuck in a very, very dangerous situation. The process of this compromise, we soon find out that compromise does not work. Can I share that with you again? Compromise does not work. Are you a believer in Jesus Christ? Then live your life as a believer in Jesus Christ. We start compromising with the world in order that there won't be a division. Beloved, it never works. God wants all people to come to Him. He doesn't expect any of us to be perfect before we do. We all have our struggles with sin or misunderstandings of theology, as well as all kinds of other emotional and mental baggage. As carriers of the gospel, it's not our job to pass judgment, but instead to explain the way of salvation. As Pastor David will explain in today's message, this doesn't mean overlooking sin, but instead acknowledging our inherent weakness and our need for salvation in Christ. And here's Pastor David in the book of Acts chapter 21 as he continues his message, A Divided Grace. tradition, their custom, their laws, and the, uh, again, apparently not a real clear standard set there in Jerusalem, well, it gives them this boldness to try and convert these Gentiles to Judaism first, in order that they might have a more complete Christian experience. But you know what? Question is, is grace truly grace, or does one have to earn it? by keeping the law, or even better than that, do you have to maintain your salvation by keeping the law? You see, that's an issue that we still deal with today. Is grace truly grace? Do I receive grace because I've deserved it? Or do I receive grace in spite of me? The latter is what the word of God declares. That in spite of my life, in spite of, again, all the issues of my life, God in his love for me while I was a sinner loved me enough to extend to me the gift of salvation. That is grace, church. When we receive that, we receive that with full understanding that we are unworthy, that we could never be worthy. We could never rise up to a standard to be worthy. And yet God in his love offers it through Christ for us. But after we receive that grace, that's when we need to keep the law, right? Do you realize that many within the church believe that? Because for them, grace isn't really grace. Grace is only a beginning. But guys, if grace is not 
complete, complete in Christ, then it's not truly grace. Does any wonder why, why Paul was so adamant when he writes to the Ephesians, very familiar verse to many of us, Ephesians chapter 2, verses 8 and 9. For by grace you have been saved through the law? No, through faith. And that not of yourselves, it's the gift of God, not of works, lest anyone should boast. So, uh, someone reminded me last night, well, don't, don't forget verse 10 in that, you know, we, that we are his workmanship created in Christ Jesus to do good works. Yes, we are called to live a life that glorifies Christ, and we'll get into that in a moment. But the fact is, is that's not to maintain our salvation, that's not to gain our salvation, that is because we are saved, that we live a life that glorifies Christ. We are saved and we are maintained in our salvation by the grace of God, period. Period. And beyond that, we then began to pervert the reality and the truth and the depth of what grace is all about. Well, that's one problem that's going on here. The other problem is, in the midst of this ceremony that, that Paul's about to go through. You and I need to be really clear here. Uh, the, the ceremony that Paul was about to go through with these four men, it's not a salvation issue at all, but it is a tradition issue for the Jews. As a matter of fact, uh, it's spoken about uh, back in the book of Numbers. Paul fully understood he's no longer under the law, but he was willing to go through this, again, as he had told the Corinthians, I become a Jew in order not to be a stumbling block, in order that I might minister to the Jews. So Paul's willing to go through this ceremony so as not to be a stumbling block. He knew the truth of grace was found in the walk of faith and not in the fulfillment of the law. And according to many scholars, it's believed that these four men that he's going with for this uh, ceremony, a Jewish uh, purity or piety ceremony, is actually the, the Nazarite vow that these men had taken. Again, for the Nazarite, during the time that you are under that vow, there's no consuming of wine or even grapes, no cutting of your hair, no contact with any dead things, and a few other laws. The shortest time frame you could do the Nazarite vow was 30 days. We don't know how long these guys have been doing the vow, but now it's time to come to an end of their commitment. The completion of the Nazarite vow called for a cutting of the hair. Part of that, then, they would burn that hair during the ceremony. And according to number six, there were some other things that they need to do. Some sacrifices were involved. They had to bring a male and a female lamb. They had to bring a ram. They had to bring cereal and drink offerings, several different things. Most likely, the expense of all those sacrifices is what Paul was asked to pay for these four men. Now, there's absolutely no doubt that all of this was done as a compromise. It was done as a compromise to show the believing Jews, those that were so zealous for the law, that Paul had not fully abandoned the law. It was a compromise by the leadership of the church. In addition, this was also an apparent attempt by the leadership of the church to maintain a witness to the Jews there in, the, in Jerusalem and in the area. 
The days of purification, we, we see this here in Acts 21, verses 26 and 27. Again, most likely the days of Paul's purification. He had been out hanging out with a bunch of Gentiles. You know, before you go into the temple, you got to get purified. So there's a whole ceremony for that purification that Paul had to go through. So let's pick it up in verse 27. Now, when the seven days were almost ended, the Jews of Asia, seeing him in the temple, stirred up the whole crowd, and laid hands on him, laid hands on Paul, crying out, men of Israel, help. This is the man who teaches all men everywhere against the people, the law, against the people, the law, and this place. And furthermore, he also brought Greeks into the temple and has defiled this holy place. For they had previously seen Trophimus, the Ephesian, with him in the city, whom they supposed that Paul had brought into the temple. And all the city was disturbed, and the people ran together, and they seized Paul. They dragged him out of the temple, and immediately the doors of the temple were shut. So now Paul is stuck in a very, very dangerous situation. In the process of this compromise, we soon find out that compromise does not work. Can I share that with you again? Compromise does not work. Are you a believer in Jesus Christ? Then live your life as a believer in Jesus Christ. We start compromising with the world in order that there won't be a division. Beloved, it never works. It never works. Now, Paul, understand, not, I'm not talking what Paul says, hey, I can, I can minister to the world, I can minister to the Jews. That's not what I'm talking about. What I'm talking about is living a continual life of compromise with the world so that there's never going to be any attack or any focus on you as a believer. That will never work. It's a hard lesson, but it's a lesson that we all need to learn, that grace is either all grace or it's nothing at all. And trying to live by a division of both grace and the law will never work. This whole battle of, of the grace given to these Gentiles being different than the grace given to the Jews has brought nothing but strife and confusion. And again, I bring you back to Paul's letter to the Galatians, that church there uh, in the region of Galatia, the churches in Galatia. Again, they had been misled. They had been hassled by these Judaizers for quite a while. These Judaizers once again telling these Gentile believers, no, 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 you've got to follow the law. Well, Paul writes to, that to the churches of Galatia in Galatians 5. He says, stand fast, therefore, in the liberty by which Christ has made you free. And do not be entangled again with a yoke of bondage. Indeed, I, Paul, say to you that if you become circumcised, Christ will profit you nothing. And again, or, or, and I testify again, to every man who becomes circumcised, that he is a debtor to keep the whole law. How many of you can keep the whole law? None of us. It says if you come under that thing, well, I've got to keep the law. Okay, keep the law. Keep all of it, though, if you think you have to keep the law. And Paul says you cannot do that. He says when you start being that way, you've actually become estranged from Christ. You who attempt to be justified by law, you have fallen from grace. And they say, oh, see, right there, pastor, they, they've fallen from grace. They've lost their salvation. That's not what he's saying. What he's saying is, here is grace without any law. 
It is the gift of God. Now you're over here, you're trying to do something else. You've fallen away from the truth of what grace is all about. You've fallen away from the very essence of what grace is all about. He says in verse five, therefore we, through the spirit, we eagerly wait for the hope of righteousness by faith. For in Christ Jesus, neither circumcision nor uncircumcision avails anything but faith working through love. Oh, and then he ends it this way. He says, oh, you ran well. Who hindered you from obeying the truth? This persuasion does not come from him who calls you. Paul's very clear, very direct. It's by grace, it's by grace alone. Here in Acts 21, we see this battle going on again as the church in Jerusalem. They're they're, they're trying to keep peace with the Jews. I understand that. But the problem is, is how much then does that tradition drag them back into legalism? And how much does trying to fulfill the law actually push people away from the truth and the fullness of what grace is really about? Here in Acts 21, I think the church is in a really precarious situation right now. I believe actually the church is in danger of shipwreck at this very point in her young life. And to be honest with you, I I, I feel that the Holy Spirit has used the tenacity, the, the strength, and the faithful obedience of the Apostle Paul to steer that ship back on course, to set her back around to where she ought to be. And yet even today, in our own culture, there are churches who subscribe to the basic tenets of of the Christian faith, and yet they're more than willing to add to grace by placing their own version of law on the followers of Christ. Some of you may have come out of churches or uh, groups, uh, parachurches or or, uh, what would be churches of of that nature, that there's law upon law upon law. If you're going to be a good Christian, you've got to do this, this, and this. And law upon law upon law. Well, guys, if we could live by the law, then grace would be unnecessary. Understand, I'm not saying we go and, you know, live like the world. We'll get into that in a moment. It's very important now. I, I need you to stay with me because we're going to take this major shift, okay? We're going, to, we're going to kind of change, so need to make sure that you're there. We're going to take a detour from this particular text because I think it's so important, the doctrine that we're seeing here, so important that you and I have that understood fully and completely. The church so desperately needs to remain watchful and not fall into this deceitfulness of the enemy that would burden people down with laws that we can never keep. What's going on here in Acts 21 sets up the fact that from here, Paul ends up in prison in Rome for his first prison imprisonment in Rome. He's in a rented home. He's able to have visitors at that point in time, but he's chained to a Roman soldier. He's writing letters, and one of those letters that he writes is the book of Colossians, which is what we're going through right now. Now, because Paul knew that the church was being bombarded by these Judaizers, this issue of legalism uh, is actually in these letters that he's writing. 
If you have your Bibles, I want you to turn there with me to the book of Colossians. Colossians chapter 2, look down beginning in verse 16. We're not going to uh, teach the entire book or this portion. I just want you to see it and lay it alongside with that idea. Colossians chapter 2, beginning in verse 16. So let no one judge you in food or in drink or regarding a festival or a new moon or Sabbaths, which are a shadow of things to come, but the substance is of Christ. You know, there's, there's a major denomination that's in this town that in order to join their church, you have to, you have to sign off on all the things you don't do and the things you do in order to be a member of their church. That's just adding law where grace should abound. He says in verse 18, let no one cheat you of your reward by taking delight in false humility and the worship of angels, intruding into those things which he has not seen, vainly puffed up by his fleshly mind, not holding fast to the head from whom all the body nourished and knit together by joints and ligaments grows with the increase that is from God, not from the keeping of the law. Verse 20, therefore you died with Christ from the basic principles of the world. Why, as though living in the world, do you subject yourselves to regulations? Do not touch, do not taste, do not handle, which all concern things which perish with the using according to the commandments and the doctrines of men. Verse 23, and this is, this is the gist of it here. These things indeed, they have an appearance of wisdom in self-imposed religion, false humility, and neglect of the body. But they're of no value against the indulgence of the flesh. Again, understand, Paul is not telling the church, just go out and live any way that you want to. That's not what he's saying here. As a matter of fact, though the chapter breaks here, It's all in one letter. Paul continues on. Look there in chapter 3, verse 1, and it gives that explanation. Paul says, if then you were raised with Christ, then you need to seek those things which are above where Christ is, seated at the right hand of God. Set your mind on things above, not on things on the earth. For you died and your life is hidden with Christ in God. Therefore, put to death your members which are on the earth, fornication, uncleanness, passion, evil desire, and covetousness, which is idolatry. Because of these things, the wrath of God is coming upon the sons of disobedience. Understand, as I said, just like he wasn't telling them to go out and live any way you want to, he was also not telling the church uh, that, that, that they have to keep the law. It's not what he's saying here. He's telling them as the church, you and I, we need to walk in obedience to the spirit of God in all that we do. We need to live our lives focused on the glory of Christ, not through some structured cold command or the keeping of rules and regulations of man. We could never live up to that. We'd always be found guilty. We'd always have that weight of guilt upon us. That's why we need to live our lives directed by, surrendered by, to the Holy Spirit of God. 
And then we're going to find that only as we press into Jesus do we find true victory over sin in our lives. It's not by putting all the structures. Oh, sometimes structures and boundaries are absolutely needed in our lives. But guys, we're not going to get the real victory through that. The real victory comes as we press into Jesus. Only as we walk in that fresh experience of the love of Christ are we going to find our hearts truly being changed. Our lives can only be truly changed from the inside out. And guys, that happens through the power of the Spirit of God working and moving in us, transforming our minds. All the structure in the world, all the law, all the regulations in the world do not change the inner heart. It's the inner heart that is changed by the Spirit of God that changes an individual. And so with that we find the battle comes in the surrender of our flesh to His will. The work in our life comes in the seeking of his presence continually, desiring and longing for that presence in our life. The struggle we have is the fight against the draw of the world, the draw of the flesh, and yes, sometimes even the draw of the law. Because if I look good on the outside, maybe everybody will think that I really do have my act together. When in reality, every one of us have our struggles, don't we? There's battles that we deal with continually. We don't fall back on the law, no. We fall on the grace of Christ. We're going to finish with two quick verses. They're found in the book of Romans. Probably very familiar verses to many of you. But in order to bring this thing home, I want to share with you, beginning in Romans chapter 8, beginning in verse 3. Paul says that what the law could not do, weak as it was through the flesh, God did sending his own son in the likeness of sinful flesh and as an offering for sin. He condemned sin in the flesh in order that the requirement of the law might be fulfilled in us who do not walk according to the flesh, but according to the spirit. How was the law fulfilled in us? Because Christ fulfilled it. And now Christ in us is that completion. Now when God looks at us, we have the very righteousness of Christ. Those who have come by faith to receive that gift of grace. If you've never received that gift of grace, you're still under the condemnation that the law brings. The law brings condemnation. And the only way to be freed from that condemnation is when you and I come to faith, by faith to receive the fullness of the gift of grace in our life, surrendering our lives to Christ. The next one, Romans chapter 12. Paul says, I beg of you. I plead with you with everything that I have. I beseech you, therefore, brethren, by the mercies of God, that you continue in the law? No but that you present your bodies as a living sacrifice, holy and acceptable to God. That's just the beginning of your service. Why? Because of what Christ has done for me, I want to give all my life to him in every aspect, in every, not through the keeping of law, but through a continual pressing on into Christ, seeking his face, seeking his will, seeking his direction, seeking the fullness of the spirit of God within us. He says, don't be conformed to this world, but be transformed by that renewing of your mind in order that you might prove what is that good and acceptable and perfect will of God. So church, we don't walk in the law that kills. 
We need to be walking continually in that undivided fullness of the grace that's been given to us through faith in Christ because of the love of God. Thanks for joining Pastor David today as we study the book of Acts on the open word. Though our program has come to an end today, your time in God's word can continue. It could be beneficial to go back and study today's passage in Acts on your own and ask the Holy Spirit to speak to you about what you read. If you'd like to hear more teachings from Pastor David, you'll find them at theopenword.com. We'd love to meet you too. If you're in the Casa Grande area, please join us this weekend at Calvary Chapel Casa Grande. For directions and service times, give us a call at 520-836-9676. That's 520-836-9676. Now let's turn it back over to Pastor David for a quick request for you, our listener. Thanks, Chris. You know, as this ministry continues to grow and reach further into the community and around the nation with the message of the gospel, I know the enemy wants to stop it. I also know that prayer is a big part of holding him back. Would you take time to pray for us every time you tune in to The Open Word? Pray too for our listeners, your fellow brothers and sisters in Christ, and those who may have yet to place their faith in Jesus. This last category especially needs prayer. It could be that the next message you hear may be the first time they're learning about the hope that's only found in Jesus. Please pray that their hearts would be open and that they'd make a decision to follow Jesus forever. Hey, thanks for praying, and thank you for being a loyal listener to The Open Word.